Lesson 56. Hello again. Chances are that you've heard about Lomography, Holga, and Diana cameras and wonder what all the fuss is about. You may also wonder if any of this is something you'd like to try. The purpose of this lesson is to introduce you to Lomography and encourage you to give one of these cheap little cameras a try. But first of all, what is Lomography? Well, it's a term used for the creative and experimental film photography movement that's now going on. Leading the charge in Lomography is the Holga camera which is a plastic point-and-shoot camera that uses film exclusively. It is this generation's answer to the Diana, another cheap film camera that was popular in the 60s and 70s with photo artists. The Diana, in fact, is enjoying a comeback since the Holga has come along. Both the Diana and the Holga use medium-format film, which means size 120 film as opposed to the more popular 35mm film. And although they make Holgas and Dianas that use 35mm film, I suggest you avoid shooting 35 and stick with medium format. You'll be happier with the results. There are advantages to this size of film as well as disadvantages. Because the film is considerably larger than 35mm, it will yield a bigger negative, which theoretically will give you a better print. It's sort of like comparing a low resolution image to a high resolution image in digital photography. Another advantage with 120 film is that you can shoot square format photos if you like, which can be advantageous compositionally. Most other film sizes are rectangular only. A disadvantage of 120 film is the number of shots you get per roll. Only 16 shots if you're shooting rectangular and 12 if you're shooting square format. Also, the film is difficult to load compared to 35mm. But I'm getting ahead of myself now. The big question you're probably asking yourself is why? Why should I mess around with shooting film in a cheap camera? Digital is much easier and will give you better quality and certainly less expensive to process. The answer is simple. You want to bother with this because you're open-minded about photography and like to try something different for a change. And the results can actually be quite remarkable. What I tell my students when I first introduce them to the Holga is that if a shot is worth taking in the first place, it doesn't always make a difference what camera you use to capture the image. Furthermore, there are many inherent flaws in the construction and operation of this camera that can lead to some interesting one-of-a-kind images. Things like light leaks, lens distortion, poor focus, film that doesn't fully advance, and so on. They look at me like I'm crazy and for a moment I actually think I am. Suddenly I'm telling them that all those things I told them before about what makes a great image is out the door. That it's a good thing to shoot lousy photos. But then I tell them some of the advantages to using this quirky little camera. One of the biggest advantages is how easy it is to shoot multiple exposures on a single frame. All you have to do is trip the shutter and not advance the film. You can take up to three or four exposures and the results are almost always amazing. Yet another cool thing they can do is what's called cross-processing color film. This is a technique that's been around for a long time and yields some very interesting results. The idea is to shoot either color negative film and process it in positive film chemistry or shoot slide film and develop a negative film chemistry. The results are very dramatic color shifts. This year I've enabled my students to develop their own color negative and positive slide film in the classroom and this has really encouraged them to shoot color film more often. So let's take a look at this camera. 
It's made of plastic and here on the side is a shutter release. Okay, you can press that multiple times on a single frame if you want to do multiple exposures. Here on the top is the film advance knob which allows you to advance frame by frame for each shot. Let's take a look at the back. Here at the top is a switch to turn on the flash if you want to use it. Now not all models have flash but this particular one does. And then there's another one that has actually a three colored flash arrangement. At the bottom here is the frame counter. If you slide to the top to 16 that's for rectangular format. You get 16 shots. Slide it to the 12 and you get 12 square format shots. This will all be based on an insert that you can use. I'll show you later on. Here at the top of the front is a switch for shooting daylight with the sun icon or at night. This actually changes the aperture from f11 to f8 and that's your only options for aperture on this camera. On the top of the lens, which is really a fixed focus, you appear to have some focusing options with the single icon for a close-up. This is for a group of two or three people. This is for a large group of people and this is for infinity or the mountains. The truth is you can pretty much disregard these settings altogether. Just keep in mind that the closest you can have something in focus is about three feet and everything beyond that will also be in focus. Here's the colored flash model that I mentioned before which is about $10 more than the standard $30 model. It allows you to choose red, yellow, or blue in addition to regular flash. The useful distance of flash is only about three or four feet, then it quickly falls off to darkness with a sort of spotlight effect, which can actually be pretty cool. This model also has a built-in tripod fitting as well as the option to shoot on bulb setting if desired. This is great for night shots and other low light situations. Note that all Holgas have a normal shutter speed of about a hundredth of a second and that the bulb setting is your only opportunity to modify shutter speed in any way. Here's the newest Holga camera and my personal favorite, the TLR. This camera is also around 30 bucks and packed with features. The best thing about it is that it has a twin lens reflex design like the old Roloflex cameras. This means that you actually see through the top lens when composing a shot while the lower lens actually records the shot on film. This is much better than the standard viewfinder on the other Holgas, which is nothing more than a hole that estimates your composition. The TLR also has a tripod fitting, bulb setting option, and the color flash option. What more can you ask for? Another Holga model is the pinhole camera. As the name suggests, the lens is nothing more than a small opening, and you even get an exposure guide along with the ability to hold the shutter open as long as needed to make an exposure. Now I'll show you the insides of a Holga and how to load film into it. To open, simply slide the metal tabs on the side and remove the back. Inside you'll see the incredibly cheap innards that the Holga is known for, including the single spring shutter. This insert I'm removing is used for shooting rectangular format shots. Behind this are where the two AA batteries go for powering the built-in flash. While we're on the subject of flash, the standard Holga 120N has a hot shoe instead of built-in flash, which allows you to use a more powerful unit and even studio flash with an adapter. Here I'm attaching the square format insert. Remember that you also have to adjust the frame counter window switch accordingly when changing formats. Now remove the take-up spool from the left side of the camera by lifting it out from the bottom. There are two ways to load the film. Either place the take-up spool on the right side and then thread the film into it, or do the threading before putting in the spool. Trust me, the latter method is the easiest one by far. 
Once you remove the outer paper strip from your roll of 120 film, remember to unfold the very end of it so that you can access the loading tab. Insert the roll of film into the left side of the camera by putting the top of the spool in first. Note the post jutting downwards and rotate the spool until the post finds its way into the hole in the spool. Then go ahead and insert the bottom part. Pull the leader a ways across the film plane and locate one of the slits in the take-up spool. Insert the film tab into it as far as it will go. Now give the spool a couple of turns and insert it into the camera. Again, put the top end in first and rotate the spool until the post finds its way into the hole in the spool. Give the film advance knob a couple of turns and then replace the back. I highly recommend that you tape the metal tabs so that the back doesn't fall off while shooting, a common occurrence while using the Holga. Now go ahead and advance the film to the first frame. Pay close attention while doing this to avoid going too far. The markings on the film usually prompt you when you're getting close to the number one by way of arrows or little circles that change in size as you advance. Once you've reached the first frame, you're ready to go. The only basic difference between a standard Holga and a Diana is where the controls are found. For example, the normal and bulb shutter speed setting along with the shutter release are all located on the lens barrel on the Diana. Opening the Diana is different and is done by sliding a lever on the bottom and pulling downward. The focusing controls are actually located inside the lens itself, but like the Holga, has little, if any, effect. One major difference between the two cameras is that the Diana can also double as a pinhole camera by simply adjusting the aperture setting to P, which gives you an f-stop of about 150. In conclusion, I can tell you now that Lomography is not for everyone, nor is everybody going to be impressed with the results of using these cheap cameras. If you're the kind of person who likes image quality, reliability, ease, and predictability of shooting digital all the time, you might as well hold on to your 30 or 40 bucks and use it toward memory cards. But if you're the adventurous type, like surprises, and just plain want to try something different, then Lomography is right up your alley. One thing's pretty certain. It's very popular and gives everybody an idea of what photography used to be like in the good old days. For that reason, to me at least, it's priceless. For any of you who are interested in purchasing one of these cameras, I've included a couple of links in the episode links section for app owners and in the podcast description on the Photography 101 website for iTunes subscribers. Well, that's about it for now. Until next time, goodbye.